At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. If you can't bet on the Brewers to beat the Pirates with Corbin Burns, what can you bet on? I am Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast, and I lost in that game twice yesterday. I lost to the Brewers, and I lost on Burns' strikeouts. He only had six. I needed seven and a half. I figured that would be a lock against the Pirates, and I'm not happy about this at all. It's seriously making me reconsider my sports, entertainment, wagering goals, and ambitions, second-guessing many life choices right now. This result to Nationals, a 5-1 win over the Mets on Tuesday night. The second biggest upset of the Major League Baseball season by Moneyline odds. The Nats were plus 295 to win. The only underdog with odds to win that were longer than the Nationals last night. It was the Royals at plus 328 over the Blue Jays on July 14th. I know the Brewers were something like minus 245 to win in the road last night at PNC Park. So, yes, I've been on the wrong end of some unfortunately large upsets. I think that Blue Jays game, I know I bet it as part of a parlay and I lost. That was the vaccination game, I believe, for all those Royals who couldn't make the trip. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just getting burned all around on these big underdog wins. The Nats are now responsible for the two biggest public losses since the All-Star break, according to Bet Rivers. An 8-3 win over the Dodgers on Monday the 25th as well. The Blue Jays are losing again right now to Tampa 3-2 as we are taping, by the way. We are brought to you by BetRivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Have better luck than I did last night. BetRivers Online Sportsbook invites you to add some variety to your baseball bets with new same-game parlays. Every game this baseball season, you can combine game bets 
player props to create your perfect Bet Rivers combination. Whether you're looking to increase your payouts on favorites or make your own long shot, you can add a little extra spice to your game with same game parlays at Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app and make your baseball same game parlays today. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler. I wish we were on yesterday. There's plenty to talk about, lots of different angles and stories to kick around relating to the trade deadline. And how about some of these numbers relating to the San Diego Padres and everything they did at the deadline by getting Juan Soto and former Pirate Josh Bell and Hader and Drury and all those other pieces? All this info from Bet Rivers 46% of all money wagered on the Padres to win the World Series was placed after news of the Soto trade. 31% of all tickets wagered on the Padres to win the World Series were placed after the news of the Soto trade as well. So that's a whopping majority for both the tickets and the money wagered. The most wagered on teams to win the World Series with the current odds I'm giving you right now, plus 350 for the Yankees, 16.4% of the money and 17% of the tickets. The Dodgers at plus 325, 15.9% of the money and 13% of the tickets. The White Sox at plus 3,500, that's at 15% of the money and 13% of the tickets. The Mets at plus 700 at 14% of the money and 11% of the tickets. Then you get the Padres now fifth at plus 1,100, 6.9% of the money and 6% of the tickets. The most wagered on teams in the American League, the Yankees at plus 140. That's 39% of the money and 37% of the tickets. Losing to the Mariners 6-1 to at the time of our broadcast after the Mariners beat at them and Jamison Tyon yesterday. Now it's Garrett Cole getting shelled today. Still pitching as we're taping up and allowing six of those runs. All six of those runs earned so far. In the National League, it's the Dodgers at plus 165, 35% of the money and 40% of the tickets. The Mets, 26% of the tickets and 28% of the money at plus 325. Then the Padres, now in third at plus 550, 8.3% of the tickets and 5.5% of the money. Huge drop after the Mets and Dodgers. The Cardinals are fourth at plus 1,200 odds. 7.3% of the money and 5.1, make that 4.1% of the tickets. Uh, That's after the Quintana trade. He pitches for St. Louis against the Cubs tomorrow. Chris Stratton got traded to the Cardinals, and he's already been cured. He goes to St. Louis and the Pirates and throws a shutout inning of baseball along with Quintana. Uh, I didn't think it was possible. Good for him. Uh, Not Quintana pitching last night when I say along with Quintana. Obviously, I just said he'll be pitching Thursday against the Cubs, but... Stratton, a last-minute part of that trade, and uh, I thought uh, it really does make me wonder if the Pirates made the deal happen because they were arguing over some prospect or another that they wanted more and said, okay, we'll back off this prospect. We'll take the two prospects you gave us, but you got to take Stratton too. And the Cardinals said, all right, he's another arm. We'll take him. Sure enough, they put him out there. Low-pressure situation, perfect way to get him acclimated. In all likelihood, even Chris Stratton's not going to blow a 6 to nothing lead against the Cubs in the ninth. He didn't. A scoreless inning. It was his first scoreless inning in his last four outings. So right away, he goes to the Cardinals, and he's a better pitcher. That usually happens with Pirates pitchers once they leave Pittsburgh. 
How about some notable World Series odds changes? The Padres at plus 2,000. Well, now it's down to plus 1,100, like we just told you. For the NL Championship at plus 550, that's down from plus 900. All that action after the trade, so cut in half, basically, the plus money for those two results for San Diego. Tonight, well, geez, who knows now? I mean, I want to say screw it all and bet on the Pirates after last night. Go against my gut, but am I going to bet on Tyler Beattie, who's starting today? His first start. Uh, I don't know if they're going to use him just as an opener or either way, or whether they plan it or not, I don't expect him to be on the mound very long. So, you know, really, you don't know what you're betting. Freddie Peralta isn't win the Cy Young this year either at a 4-4-2 ERA and 3-2 for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, I'd leave the Pirates game alone. Maybe the over at 8.5. Uh, that's something to keep your eye on. That's not a terrible idea. Got to 8 yesterday with Burns pitching. And Bryce Wilson... Doing a pretty good job for the Pirates as well. Uh, I figure the Mets bounce back against the Nationals at minus 278. Uh, you want to investigate a partner for them on a parlay? Uh, well, the Padres at minus 345 with all the big guns arriving. We'll get to that in a second. The Angels are minus 220 to beat the A's tonight. Here's a fun bet if you want. Show A to Homer. Over 8.5 strikeouts to the Angels to win a plus 800 payout. An all Shoyatani bet tonight. How about the Padres tonight with Soto and company in the lineup? They're minus 345, like I said, against the Rockies and Chad Cool. They beat the Rockies twice yesterday, 13 to 5 and 3 to 2. The Rockies plus 280 to win. So it's almost like that Nats Mets game we talked about a little bit earlier. If you want Juan Soto to Homer, Josh Bell to Homer, put them together. It's plus 220, so that's another fun parlay that you could have. Let's get to some football. I'm not at training camp today. I'm back in Pittsburgh. I'll return to St. Vincent College later in the week. Did you see it was crept onto the odds boards at plus 3,300 for Rookie of the Year? George Pickens, the wide receiver of the Steelers. That's got to be because he's creating buzz with as good of a camp as he's been having at St. Vincent College in Latrobe. Kenny Pickett still at number one at plus 500. Come on, based on his camp and the reps he's getting, how could anyone make that bet? In fact, I think the only thing keeping Pickens' odds low, suppressing them to the point that they are, the fact that people look at the QBs for the Steelers and they say to themselves, Ugh, who's going to get them the ball? That's the bigger deal when it comes to faith or lack thereof in Pickens. It's not about the wide receiver. It's about who's going to get them the ball. But, uh, yeah, go ahead, Deontay Johnson. Keep holding out. See how much more comfortable George Pickens gets in this role. He'll be the number one receiver before you know it. And that just speaks to my greater point about the Steelers right now with the Johnson situation. Most teams, especially the Steelers, seem to find wideouts at will. They don't need to pay Deontay Johnson what he wants. And that takes me to Omar Khan's press conference yesterday. Khan made his feelings about Deontay Johnson abundantly clear on Tuesday. He wants to keep him on the team this year and moving forward. But one thing Khan didn't make quite as obvious is that he wants Johnson to stay at the franchise's preferred salary, not the vastly expanding going rate for receivers in the booming NFL marketplace. Here's the exact quote from Khan at St. Vincent College. Let's just say we want Deontay. We're excited to have him as part of our team. We hope he's going to be a Steeler for a long time. At this point, am I allowed to insert a little fluffy white thought bubble over Khan's head with the words, 
at the right price popping up in bold letters. That was the first time Khan was speaking as the team's general manager in St. Vincent College as the new head of the football department, at least at training camp anyway. Khan answered 26 questions from reporters, and according to the team's official transcript, 10 of them were about Johnson's contract status. Johnson is entering the final year of his entry contract, and he wants an extension. Much like T.J. Watt did during training camp last year, Johnson is only doing individual drills on the St. Vincent College practice fields. He's avoiding team activities. After a massive wave of big-money signings at the receiver position this offseason, 18 receivers are making at least $18 million per year, and there are 25 receivers who are making at least $15 million. After becoming a late addition to the Pro Bowl roster last year, Johnson could easily build an argument that he's better than many of his peers who are making that kind of money, but that doesn't mean Khan has to listen to it. In fact, my guess is that he won't. Now, it's not to say that the Steelers won't extend Johnson. They might. I wouldn't rule out a Hunter Renfro-esque two-year, $32 million extension, but I bet that Johnson wants a lot more money in longer term than that, and I bet the Steelers would be hesitant to go that far. So if this offseason has proven anything, it's that you can find receivers in the free agent market, the trade market, plus you can find them in the draft. In terms of annual value, six of those top 25 receivers got their deals from new teams. Three of them, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, are in the top six of receiver contracts, not to mention that 10 of the top 50 picks in the 2022 draft were wideouts. As good as Johnson might be, the Steelers may see more value in drafting another receiver or two in the first few rounds as they did twice with George Pickens and Calvin Austin the third this spring. That could prove to be a better course of action than spending free agent dollars on Juju Smith-Schuster and Ray Ray McLeod. My hunch is that Johnson is right. I bet he does get somewhere in the $20 million range this offseason from another team. Maybe not $25 million, but certainly more than what the Steelers will offer this summer. If Johnson wants to bet on himself and risk free agency or being hit with the franchise tag when the Steelers would only have to pay roughly $27 million for one year as opposed to doing 25 in a multi-year deal, he should do that. And he should be commended for his confidence in his skills. But it's not required of Khan to dole out that much of Art Rooney II's money and his own cap space to provide Johnson security. So long as Johnson continues his hold-in, though, the Steelers are going to have to consider options. The Steelers may have the same offensive coordinator as last year in Matt Canada, but the offense is supposed to have many new wrinkles given Ben Roethlisberger's retirement. Mitch Trubisky has struggled to get the first-team offense in flow against the first-team defense without Johnson and three other injured skill position starters. Remember, Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris, and Chase Claypool haven't been participating much uh, if at all, uh, Najee Harris more than the other two to this point. Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan should just start speaking with Johnson and his agent and tell them it's time for the receiver to start practicing or the numbers that he covets for free agency may be compromised if the offense gets off to a bad start or begins shifting to other targets. Although, like we just said, with Claypool and Fryermuth both missing significant chunks of camp because of injury, that could prove to be a hollow tactic. I suppose another option is a trade. Both the Denver Broncos with Tim Patrick out for the year with an ACL and the Dallas Cowboys with James Washington missing six to ten weeks with a foot injury. Those teams have now lost receivers 
in training camp. And if either franchise is willing to give up at least a second-round pick, the Steelers may have a chance to get a talented receiver in that round as they have in the past with Smith-Schuster and Pickens and Claypool along with their own second-round pick. The Steelers don't want for it to come to that, I'm sure. I believe, Con. They like Johnson enough to keep him and maybe make him their number one receiver at his current rate of pay, which is $3 million against the cap in 2022. The prospect of a trade, it's just business. When it's talked about, it's just business, as is Johnson's hold-in, as is the practice of saying all the right things publicly, but saying what you really mean only in your head. And I think that's exactly what Khan did on Tuesday. Johnson is right now at five and a half touchdowns. That's the over-under. Minus 108 for the over. Uh, I like it. I would take that with Johnson. Uh, the over-under on receiving yards, minus 112 in both directions at 950 and a half. I'll lean under there because of the QB issues. If you want Deontay Johnson to lead the NFL in receiving yards, you can get it, and it'll pay out at plus 6,000, uh, but whatever it takes. Thanks, but no thanks. He's not getting there. All right, we come back. We will hear from Joe Rudder and Chris Adamski. It was a Trib Live roundtable that we had at the hunting cabin at St. Vincent College in Latrobe. We'll discuss when we come back. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go online to BetRivers.com. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. All right, back at the Pittsburgh City Cast, I noticed this team prop bet the Steelers plus 650 to lead the league in sacks again. <laughs> they constantly seem to lead the league in that category, so they are plus 650. Uh, the next three teams thereafter Bills, Rams, and 49ers. I don't know if I like that bet for as much as it feels like the Steelers are going to lead the league in sacks because they're just kind of determined to do so. It just seems like they're preordained to do so. Um, I might like the Bills or Rams or 49ers instead at plus 1,000 because maybe even the Browns at plus 1,500 because honestly, there's so little pass rushing depth after Cam Hayward and TJ Watt. Like, I'm not ready to buy into the whole Alex Highsmith thing yet. I think that was a one year sensation from Chris Wormley. Uh, maybe Miles Jack is a better blitzer. Then Joe Schobert, maybe that helps, or just his presence allows Devin Bush to become a better blitzer. Uh, maybe Ogan Joby does have seven sacks in him again, like Wormley gave them last year and like he had as a career high as well. I, I don't know. I, I guess I could see it, but I can also see a situation, if the run defense doesn't get any better, why would you risk your quarterback to being sacked by the Steelers as often as they are likely going to sack the opposing quarterback? Uh, it might be something to talk about with Terrell Austin coming up a little bit later on in training camp. Tim Benz with you here, and uh, glad you're with us as uh, we also continue to do our podcasts, not just here at Bet Rivers, but I do them as well from St. Vincent College in Latrobe on the Trib Live platform on the Breakfast with Benz podcast page. And I uh, wanted to give you a chance, if you missed it, to hear our Trib Live roundtable from our hunting cabin. In Ligonier, that's right, they've got us 
put up in this hunting cabin with the four deer heads on the wall. Mitch, Mason, Chris, as in Chris Oladokun, and the deer on the far right end is named Kenny, uh, for Kenny Pickett as well. And then we've got the two turkeys in the kitchen named A.B. and Lev. Of course, the two turkeys have to be A.B. and Lev. Uh, but here's our roundtable discussion from this week. If you missed it with Joe Rudder, Steelers beat writer, Chris Adamski, Steelers writer, and myself. And I started off talking to Joe about Mitch Trubisky and his run so far as the first string Steelers quarterback and whether or not he'd lose any of his first team reps to Mason Rudolph like we've seen Rudolph lose his second team reps to Kenny Pickett. You know, right now he's taking all the first team reps, and there's no indication that, you know, the one thing is when Ben was here, you knew he'd get that every third day off so Mason could work his way up and get the first team reps. You don't have that now. Mitch Trubisky's getting all the first team reps. Yeah, maybe they'll move him back down one of these days. But so far it hasn't happened, and I think that's a clear indication that they are just gearing him up, getting him ready to start the season. You know, I was kind of thinking about this as Mike Tomlin was talking during post-game interviews or post-practice interviews, rather. He said that we're going to see the quarterbacks in various positions throughout the course of camp. Like, we're not going to see Mitch Trubisky take third-team reps, are we? I doubt it. I would think, if anything, Mitch will get a day off or they'll, he'll do a half day and then they'll maybe split the snaps between Kenny and Mason. I don't see it, especially with the condition of the third-team offensive line, which we saw with Mason Rudolph today. It's, it seems to be whatever quarterbacks work over that third team line is at a disadvantage because they're just you know getting overpowered by the I guess it would be the third team defensive line or second team defensive line. Um, yeah, so I, I think that uh, I don't think they would risk putting Mitch Trubisky behind those guys in a, in a, at least in a tackling hitting situation. What do you think, Buzz? As far as how Pickett has performed thus far, including today, as he got some second team reps. Yeah, I, I thought. I think he's looked better the last couple of days. Maybe there is something. I kind of poo-pooed that for a while. He's getting third team. Yeah, well, okay. Well, he has third team defenders too, and yeah. so I didn't want to. Uh, uh, I don't want to go too far in panic and say there should be alarming at this point that he hasn't shown enough. I also didn't want to kind of defend him either. But I, I thought I, he at least looked a little bit more in command. Exactly, exactly. I, I thought for a while, maybe that second or third practice, he really he was kind of looked kind of scared. Hey, he but, looked like Mason when Mason went in for Ben. That's what he looked yeah, like. And it's a good thing um, Earl Thomas wasn't out there or something. But and that's what I kind of wondered. Once the pads hit, and I know even then you're not going to get hit. You know, as a quarterback, but at least the pads are on the hitting in front of you. Maybe a little more. He was worried about getting hit. I feel like with the dump offs and everything, and, and with kind of his happy feet for these unpadded team practices in camp. And I'm like. What's going to happen when the proverbial bullets start flying and you play a, a real game, or even a preseason game? So I, I think he he feels he looks more comfortable now, and maybe I don't know if that is anything to do with the quasi promotion he got. And we'll see how much of a how much Mike Tomlin's word is worth saying that all these guys will get reps at all the different uh, team levels. I guess. Speaking, Joe, of hitting, that's what we saw in backs on backers. The Miles Jack Derek Watt collision was one of the better ones we've seen in that drill for a while. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Miles Jack showed why he, you know, played six seasons in Jacksonville and was a pretty accomplished player, um, you know, and why the Steelers, you know, acted so quickly to sign him when he became available. Uh, you know, just you can just tell his presence there. You know, he's not Joe Schobert from last year. Schobert, well, he didn't join him until later in training camp, but Schobert, I, you know, he just he didn't bring that kind of charisma, that kind of swagger to him than miles jack did and and he, afterwards he was talking about how much he loved to hit and that was evident in everything he did today from tackling Najee harris and you know seven shots to 
you know, the backs on backers drill. I liked what he had to say about the caps on the helmets, the guardian caps, whatever they call it, Chris. Like, to me, he, he made me laugh a little bit. And actually, I was digging for a piece I'm doing for, for Trib Live at Breakfast with Ben's. Some other quotes from other people who hate it. He was far more diplomatic than, say, J.J. Watt or Robert Saleh, the coach of the Jets, or uh, there's a linebacker from the Packers who said, I just hate him. You know, like there are other people flat out ripping him. He made the point that he thinks it's harder to evaluate how the linebackers are playing and hitting because those caps avoid such contact, like legal contact. When you're face mask to face mask, you heard Tomlin yelling at the linebackers to get the blockers off of them. Well, part of the way to get the blockers off of you is to hit them with enough force that they go back and you can shove them back. You've created space. And now you've got your angle to the quarterback. And he said, he used the phrase airbag. That's what those things yeah. feel like. Yeah, the functionality of it to a point, I, 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 from my understanding, they're coming off here soon. They, they, weren't, they weren't supposed to last the entire camp. I think it's the second, second preseason yeah, game. Yeah, it's the oh, second okay. preseason, preseason game. game. All right, well, it's pretty much, that is the whole training camp up here at Latrobe. Right, so yeah. So that back then. And you don't really think of the. I, I've become now used to. I, I forget they're even there when I watch. We've seen it, it look ridiculous that first uh, mini camp session. Even in the locker room, it looked insane. But uh, eventually, now I've kind of just totally forgotten about it from a, uh, a spectator standpoint. But uh, that is a good point. You don't think of the functionality of things that that this is. You're, you're materially changing literally the equipment you're using now, and, and that that can be. A, and there's a point where you're right. That Reese Miles Jack was right that that can affect the the evaluation of these guys and their their jobs on the line. Jalen Warren was a guy I thought who stood out in the backs and backers drill. And Miles Jack talked about him too. You know, I asked him, is this kid a little bit more 215 than he is five foot eight? And he seemed to agree with that assessment. Yeah, he played well. He, you know, low you know, low and kind of you know, sturdy on the ground, held his own in some of those drills. And you know, then he went out and showed it in team periods where he, you know, he had some nice runs and did some decent blocking and you know, Mike Tomlin was even, even you know, usually he poo-poos anything a rookie does, but he kind of went out of his way to said that he likes his competitive spirit and like the ways he, way he carries himself. And that, you know, that, you know, somebody's going to have to help out and, you know, do things there as the number three running back or the last guy, you know, on the team, you know, be it based on special teams or whatever. And, you know, so that's a, that's a good quality for, you know, the kid to have in his, in his first padded practice. DeMonte Casey at safety while Mika Fitzpatrick is out. But more, Carl Joseph in the slot. Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. We've seen a, a, um, a lot of Arthur Mollette, and I know there hasn't been Levi Wallace, so I don't know what to really take from a lot of these moves. Maybe it's just sort of experimenting a little bit, but I didn't expect to see. I, I kind of did a double take there. Is that really what I just saw? Because he hasn't seen, you know, as big of a name as he is, especially around here being WVU and a first-round pick and everything, he's kind of always been an afterthought. And you kind of you keep expecting him last year, especially after a couple injuries or COVID absences, you get a bigger role. He never really did, and I was, was kind of surprised they brought him back. And maybe there is a role in them for, for him there somewhere in the secondary. Dan Moore had a rare wow moment for an offensive lineman when he got out in front on a pass uh, to one of the running backs in the red zone and wiped out Cam Sutton. Yeah, he looks more comfortable this year by far than he did last year because if you remember last year he was on the right side a good bit because they were still experimenting with Chooks on the left side. But no, he looks like he's coming into his own. And a couple players talked about that. Uh, James Daniels talked about how he liked you know, the way uh, Dan Moore has looked in camp so far. And he just seems like a guy who's, 
you know, taking that next step. And, you know, Mike Tomlin always talks about that first to second year. Uh, you know, this guy here might, you know, he couldn't solidify that left tackle spot if he's able to take that kind of growth. Lastly, guys, the wide receivers, uh, there has been no Deontay Johnson yet. Uh, I don't know when that's going to change, at least in team activities. And there hasn't been a lot of Chase Claypool either. He's been hurt. He's got a shoulder problem, it appears. Uh, Pat Fryermuth hasn't been out there in pads or, or working with teams quite a bit because he's been banged up since, what, the second day of practice. So it's given an opportunity for a lot of the other wide receivers to shine. Pickens has been really good. Um, but I think it's interesting beyond the three guys who are going to appear in 11 personnel the most, which the Steelers run more than just about anybody. Only the Bengals and Rams ran more last year. Um, it's going to be Pickens, Claypool, and Johnson when they're healthy. But the battle for the slot job or the second slot job after Claypool between the more traditional slot receivers, the guys who might also return kicks and Olszewski, Miller, and... Um, Calvin Austin from uh, Memphis. Those guys have all been pretty good. They've all had flash moments. First of all, I think receivers always can, can catch your eye in a camp setting, yeah. and you, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. I've been burned too many times in the past. I always, I always bring up Justin Hunter. Justin Hunter came here, and I thought he was going to be a star. I'm like, oh, what did, why did he go to Tennessee? And then he never did anything with the Steelers because he just pops in camp. And receivers can do that sometimes if they're not, they're not hitting, especially Calvin Austin, of course. But he was the best tape basketball player in the history <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's true. of the Pittsburgh Steelers, that's, the that's tape true. basketball that's, games. He was a legend. He was the Michael Jordan of that court. <laughs> that's what almost – as good as uh, didn't he put a out a ceiling board. panel? Do you remember that when he put out a ceiling panel jumping? Was that like a big I, controversy? I, I vaguely remember that from that <laughs> season because that's about one of the few moments that he had to shine that entire season. He took it very seriously yes, too. Yeah. He was very proud of his tape basketball title. But no, but Calvin Austin is somebody. It's hey, he jumps off the page. It, it, what his strength <laughs> is, it's speed, and what his you know weakness is, or just perceive perceived why he fell in the middle, middle round is is, is is his size. So you saw him making plays the first few days of camp. I wanted to see once the pads get on. Okay, all right, you know what? That's great. Let's see. How, and I actually thought he almost looked even. Uh, you know, harder to tackle uh, today. I, I was really, he, he might have been one to me. I thought Mark Robinson, I don't know, we're not going to, that's a different question, but Mark Robinson, the, the six round pick as a linebacker, I thought really looked pretty good too. But Calvin Austin, I thought today was one of the guys that I was, there's only a couple plays, but I was impressed with it. And he's, he's, he stayed consistent uh, throughout the first four or five days of camp. So I think, I don't say he's the favorite because you're right. There have been some some guy. Olszewski's been a lot better at receiver than than maybe I thought or any of us thought too. But but Austin's kind of all the rookies and because everybody's talking Pickens, right? Right. Yeah. And everybody's talking Pickett for maybe not the best reasons, but everybody's going to talk about him. But Austin's uh, the rookie. It's really kind of uh, I think has the chance to, to to be a good player this year. You agree with that, George? You got your eyes on one of the other slot guys. I've liked what Anthony Miller's done so far. He's been really consistent. Yeah, he has been. And you know, for a guy that last year you thought would maybe contribute a little more. Then when Mike Tallman explains about getting on the moving train and everything, it makes a little more sense on why, you know, he wasn't able to take advantage of his opportunities. But now he's in his first full, you know, off season program and going with the Steelers in the camp. And I, I just liked everything I've seen from him so far. Um yeah, I would say he's done well and and another undra an undrafted guy. Tyler Vaughn's, especially in Saturday's practice, made all kinds of leaping catches, had a toe tap. Yeah, he's been good. Yeah. I think, And I think he's been noticed by Tomlin. Like, you can tell when Tomlin notices a guy. Like, he's noticed Warren, and he's noticed Vaughn's, too. Yeah, I think so, and, and that bodes well for the guy. I mean, I don't think he's going to make the, the main roster, but he's a guy that they could have develop on uh, on the practice squad, and that's not a bad thing for a young guy like that.
All right, so my thanks to Joe Rudder and to Chris Adamski. Tomorrow on the Pittsburgh CityCast, lots more as it relates to football and the Steelers, lots more on baseball and some of the lines coming your way for some of the afternoon and evening games in Major League Baseball, plus Craig Wolfley. Steelers analyst will join us to discuss uh, not only the things that he's seen from the offensive line with the Steelers at training camp, but also Wolf talks to us about the great Mike Webster. ESPN.com named him the best center of all time in their GOAT series, the greatest of all time at each position in the National Football League. Webster won for the center position. So Wolf talks about his recollections of Mike Webster as a teammate, and we talk Steelers in general as well. That's tomorrow here on the Pittsburgh CityCast.